Hi, this is Carly, Recovered Alcoholic. We are on episode 25 of North Star Big Book, How It Works. This is part three. We are deep into the resentment inventory, so please open up your book to the top of 66, and we will study together. One thing I wrote down here um, after looking at the first three columns that my sponsor pointed out to me that really helped me see my own patterns was I wrote down, it's really not them. So it's not the people I wrote in my first column. It's what they did or what they do to me. So whether it was John or David or Sarah or Michael that hit me, when one of, when somebody hits me, that's what is my trigger in terms of what is going to set off my pattern. So yes, I thought it was I was mad at Sarah, but really I was mad that I got hit. And then I wrote down, it's not what they did, so it's not being hit, it's what it affects in me. So I wrote, it's not what they did, it's what it affects in me. So it doesn't matter really who hits me, it doesn't really even matter that I got hit, it matters that when I was hit, this is what was affected. And I wrote down how I react to a threat to one of my basic instincts of life. How I react to a threat of one of my basic instincts of life. So last week we talked about the three basic instincts of life that every human has. Social, sexual, and security. And when one of those is threatened, my problem isn't that they're threatened because that's going to happen. It's called life. My problem is the way that I react when they're threatened. And that's the whole pattern that we're looking for. So on the top of 66... It says, like the very first real sentence says, to conclude that others were wrong was as far as, a, as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. I wrote on the side, resentment blocks me off from God. Resentment blocks me off from God. So the reason why resentment is dangerous for alcoholics is because when I'm resentful, it's the only thing I can think of and feel and be aware of, and I cannot feel or know or hear God. It says sometimes it was remorse and then we were sore at ourselves. So sometimes we're resentful at ourselves for how we behave. Like if I was with my children and I ended up yelling at them and then I felt horrible about it. And then I was resentful that I did that and then I'm a bad mom and I'm blocking myself off from what I did wrong and I cannot be in the present. I underline, but the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. And that's pretty much my truth in every area. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. This next paragraph is really going to highlight what resentment can do to me. And I wrote on the top of the paragraph, rehashing instead of living. So we're going to be talking about going back and refeeling and rethinking and re-examining. It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, I underline, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile? And above the word squander, I wrote the word selfish. If you're ever having a hard time understanding in the fourth column of the inventory, how am I being selfish that I'm resentful that my parents took me in the middle of the night to their friend's house while they wanted to get high, how is that selfish? That was wrong of them. What's selfish is that I'm squandering the hours today being upset about what happened 15, 18 years ago. So in my present time when I'm doing a 10-step, if I don't know how to say, if I don't know how to answer how is this resentment selfish, it's always selfish when I'm not in the present. When I'm focusing on something that already happened or I'm afraid about something that's going to happen, I'm missing out on the only place I can experience God and the only place I can be useful, which is now. I underline, but 
with the alcoholic, which is what I've determined myself as because of the physical allergy and mental obsession, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. I underline that because it reminds me right there, even in the middle of all this resentment, this is what my hope is, is to maintain and grow spiritually. This business of resentment is infinitely grave. I underline grave in red because that's a word, life and death. I wrote on the side, soul sickness. And I also wrote, God cannot enter a mind filled with resentment. God cannot enter a mind filled with resentment. We've got to empty out what is blocking us so we can have something good fill us. We found, that's the first 100 men and women, that it is fatal. And the word fatal I underlined in red, and that again is life and death. For when harboring such feelings, harboring the feelings means giving them a safe place to be and to be okay. And I wake up and I think about them. For harboring such feelings, I underlined, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. And it says we do that. I underlined that in red. I'm the one who shuts myself off. God doesn't do that. I do that. I underlined in red, the insanity of alcohol returns. And I wrote next to that, we believe the lie. So the thought comes, first what happens is I get upset. And then I don't deal with it. And so I get upset again and I get upset again and I start talking about it and I start rethinking about it and reliving it and replaying it, wishing I did it differently, talking about it to other people. I shut myself off from God because there is no space for God when I'm so full of resentment. And then the last thing that happens is I believe the lie that I can drink and I'll feel better. And then I pick up the drink. So I do it sober with my mental obsession, believing a lie. I underline in red, we drink again. And I underline with us to drink is to die. So resentment leads me to death. I underline the next sentence. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. And I circle the words had to. The grouch and the brainstorm are not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholic, these things are poison. And I underline the word poison in red. I wrote on the side... We kill ourselves sober without a solution. We kill ourselves sober without a solution. So we just fester and rot and work on that resentment until we believe a lie that AA is awful and it's not where we need to be and it doesn't work even though we never did anything. And we walk ourselves out of the room and we pick up a drink completely sober, start craving sober. We believe the lie that it'll be different or what's the use anyhow. And then we activate the physical allergy and then we can't stop. I underline the next sentence. We turn back to the list for it held the key to the future. And above that sentence, I wrote direction. I wrote on the side, inventory has to be written in order to to turn back to it. So I have to have a written inventory to turn back to. So if you've ever had a sponsor that suggested you take your fourth step and you burn it, that is completely contradicting what the book says, which tells me I need the list because the list holds the key to the future, which is a pretty big key. I underline the next sentence, we are prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle, which is what changed everything for me. This was the first time in my whole entire life where someone made me look all the way back to see how a situation started. So if I imagine that I'm only looking out of a little, um, one of those little eye holes when you're in an apartment or a hotel to see who's in front of your door, that's what I've done my whole life is I look through that little hole and I only see this one moment. And what a sponsor did after she let me talk about that one moment was she made me open up the door and stick my head to the left and to the right and see what choices did I make that placed me in the position to be behind that door and for that instance to happen. 
And almost invariably, the choices that I made were ones that I made based out of fear or selfishness or dishonesty or impure motives that placed me in a position for someone to be in front of the door and to do something that I didn't like. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. I underline the next sentence. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, so whether I imagined it or whether it really happened, I underline in red, had power to actually kill. And I wrote on the side, when I resent, when I resent, the person controls my thinking. So whoever I resent is is in control of my thinking. And I wrote on the side next to that, chained, like I'm chained to that person. And when I remember that being explained to me for the first time, that really grossed me out because the people I resented, I hated. And I did not like the idea of being chained to them. I was also told that it means I'm closer to them than I am to God, which really pissed me off. It says, how could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. And I wrote on the side, let God direct my thinking. Let God direct my thinking. So I don't know how to direct my thinking, but I can let God direct my thinking. It says, this was our course. And I underlined, we realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. I underlined and highlighted and put a star here. This is the resentment prayer. So I underlined it and I wrote on the bottom of 66, resentment prayer. And this is the prayer I get to say when I get resentful. And I circle the word perhaps next to spiritually sick. The word perhaps means possibly, but not certainly. So they put that in there, possibly, but not certainly. I can say, I realize that the person who wronged us is possibly, but not certainly, spiritually sick. And I always do that in like quotation marks because it makes me feel better because I know they're spiritually sick, especially if I'm angry at them. On the top of 67, this is still the anger prayer. So I bracketed the whole first top paragraph and I wrote anger prayer and I underlined it all. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. And I underline, this is the prayer. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience. So this is what I ask of God. And I circled, we asked God. So this is what I ask of God. I need to say, I say to God, please help me show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. So I wrote on the top of the page, pray for those we resent. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, I underlined, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. I wrote on the side, what did I do to set them in motion? So how did I set it in motion? How did I set this resentment in motion? And I wrote somewhere on 67, if you can fit it on the top, I have it on the top. I wrote the two questions that helped me answer my fourth column. If I get stuck and I don't know how to answer how my resentful, selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened, I can ask one of these two questions. The first one is, How did I create the situation? How did I create the situation? That's the first question. If I did not create the situation, the next question will help me answer how my behavior was wrong. How did my behavior change after I got resentful? So after they did something to hurt me, how did my behavior change? 
So if I can't find my part in how did I create the situation, then once you were mean to me for a reason that I can't see, how did I change my behavior towards you? And that helps me. It says, we avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. So that's what the book is telling me, is that we don't, if we're mad at someone, we have to pray for them and ask God to help us show them patience, tolerance, pity, and patience. Um, And they tell me I can't retaliate or argue because it will, I underlined, if we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least, I underlined, God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. I wrote on the side, wrong, the word wrong, like in quotation marks, is the resentment. So just being resentful is one of my wrongs. And I wrote, because it blocks me from God. And I use this prayer, and I hesitate to share this, but it's so important. I used this prayer when I was about a year and a half sober, And I ended up getting raped by a man in AA. And I placed myself in the situation to be with him. And I clearly said no multiple times um, and felt afraid for myself. And when it was over and I was humiliated and embarrassed and guilty and ashamed and all the horrible things that come with that, I was directed to this prayer. And um, I saw him outside of a coffee shop recently after that. And he humiliated me in front of a bunch of guys in AA. And I had to say this prayer. And I remember saying the prayer and having to say, God, show me the same tolerance, pity, and patience. And I wanted to throw up. And I remember having to say, how can I be helpful to him? And I asked my sponsor, how am I supposed to answer that? And she told me the way that I can be helpful to him is to stay away from him. Um, The problem wasn't that what happened was horrible because it was. The problem was that I was chained to this person because I couldn't stop thinking about what happened and what I could have done differently and how I could have handled it differently and how horrible it was and how humiliated I was and I was stuck and later on many many years later my sobriety I I had placed myself in a situation that was not the same but was in a situation where I was in a position with another man in sobriety who almost um, assaulted me and when I was in that situation And I felt so horrible after, even though nothing ended up happening, I called my sponsor and I said, I don't know what to do with these feelings. I cannot, I cannot let go of them after I'd inventoried. And she said to me, but how can you use what you're feeling now to empower you? And that really shifted everything for me is to realize that I can take something that's horrible and I can either let it make me into a victim, which I don't believe in being, or I can let it empower me by using my voice and speaking up and standing up for myself and standing up for others. Okay. I underlined um, the, the whole next paragraph I bracketed and I wrote on the side fourth column. So this whole next paragraph is about the fourth column of the, of the fourth step. I underlined referring to our list again. So again, I cannot refer to something that is not written down. Putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done. So I'm totally done talking about the first, second, and third column. I underline, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes, and I circled our own mistakes. I wrote on the side, what I did. So we're not talking about what my dad did, we're talking about what I did. 
We've already given that space to talk about what he did. Now it's my turn to talk about how was I selfish? How was I dishonest? How am I being self-seeking and frightened? So I underlined, where had we, and I double underlined all this, been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? So this is what we inventory. After we get through all the things that we're upset about and how it affects us, then we look at what was your part? What did I do? And this is the beginning of a lifetime of looking at any situation with feelings as being the starting point because they drive us to being just uncomfortable. And then we say, well, what did I do? How did I create it or how did my behavior change once I became resentful? I underlined, though a situation had not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. I underlined, where were we to blame? I underlined again, the inventory was ours, not the other man's. And I wrote on the side, time to start taking responsibility for our behavior. Time to start taking responsibility for our own behavior. So no one... No more blaming. I I get to look at my behavior. What can I change in my behavior so I don't place myself in another position like that? We saw our faults. We listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted, I underlined, our wrongs honestly. And I underlined, and we're willing to set these matters straight. The willingness to set these matters straight is steps eight and nine. I made a big line separating that paragraph from the bottom paragraph. We're done with the resentment inventory. And now we're going on to the fear inventory. So in the blank space above that paragraph, I wrote fear inventory. And now we're going to talk about fear inventory. The first time I was ever um, taken through my fourth step, I was told to write a fear list. And while it's helpful to identify what I'm afraid of, it did nothing for me in terms of identifying my thought pattern and my behavior pattern and what I'm doing because of my fears. The way that these sheets are, and again, if you didn't, didn't did not get the sheets last week, there. Um, if you Google Joe and Charlie Fourth Step sheets, you'll get a PDF, and there's four different sheets: resentment, fear, sex, and harms. Now we're looking at the fear sheet. They're all in the same pattern. There's four columns. And the only thing that's different, and I have mine in the back of my book, about the fear versus the resentment is the fear says, I'm fearful of, in the first column. And the second column is, why do I have the fear? And then we, the third and fourth column are always the same. So fear is, what am I afraid of? Which is super helpful. And why do I have the fear? So one of my fears was being alone. Not like physically being alone, like in a house. I mean, like being alone, like not having a partner. And I'm afraid of being alone. Why do I have that fear? Because I'm afraid that no one will ever love me once they get to know me. What does it affect? Everything. What is my part? How do I behave dishonestly? Well, I always settle for a dime when I could wait and get a dollar down the road because I'm not willing to be patient and trust God's timing and get to know myself and love myself. I accept whatever comes and I use... Um, you know, my body and my sexuality to give myself worth. Um, how is that selfish? Well, because I'm using other people to make me feel okay, even when I don't like them. How am I being self-seeking and frightened? Because I'm afraid, so I'd rather be with anyone, and then I end up hurting them because I realize I don't want to be with them, and then I keep causing harm. It says, notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. I wrote on the side, second manifestation of self. The, so, 
they're telling me that um, the basic instincts are secure, security, social, and sexual, and the manifestations of self are resentment, fear, and harm, which is what we inventory. This short word, the word they're talking about is fear, I underlined, somehow touches about every aspect of our life. And I put a star in front of this next sentence, and I circle the word was. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. So they're talking to me in the past tense, telling me that I'm no longer going to have fear as an evil and corroding thread, and the fabric of my existence will not be shot through with it. To be clear... I am 19 years and three months sober, and I have never experienced a day sober without fear. But I no longer make my decisions based on fear, and I no longer am shot through with it to the point where I cannot breathe and I cannot function. I have fear. I treat it through the inventory process. I treat it through meditation. I treat it through prayer, and I do work to walk through it no matter what. Um, I no longer am driven by fear. And then it says it, and above the word it, I wrote fear. So fear set in motions, in motion, trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune, I underlined, we felt we didn't deserve. Of course we feel that way, because I always feel that way, that I don't deserve whatever is happening. I underlined and put a star, but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? On the bottom of 67, I wrote self-seeking versus God-seeking. So the way that I, I don't know how to become not self-seeking. I don't know how to not be my negative things. So what I was told is I need to focus on my positive things. So instead of worrying about how am I not, how do I behave not self-seeking, I need to focus on how can I behave in a God-seeking way? What would God want me to do in this situation? And while I'm focused on being God-seeking, then I will be less focused in, on the energy of being self-seeking. Bottom 67 to 68 says, Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. I wrote on the top, and this is kind of confusing, so we'll go over it. My fourth column, so that's the what I did, what was my part. My fourth column creates my first column. And I'll explain this in a second. My fourth column creates my first column. And then I wrote, Because I'm selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate, because I'm selfish, dishonest, and considerate, dot, 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 I resent slash fear slash harm others. Because I'm selfish, dishonest, and considerate, I resent slash fear slash harm others. So if I look at my fourth column, because I'm um, being dishonest and selfish about wanting to be with another person and I choose to be with people that are just there who I don't even like and I get them to like like me or fall in love with me and I tell them lies so they want to be with me and then I change my tune because I realize I don't like them and then I harm them and then they come around and harm me I only look at that they harm me but I don't look at that it was because I was dishonest and selfish in the first place that caused me in a position in fear seeking and self-seeking to place myself in a position to end up hurting this person so this next part of the inventory I wrote on the top or side just like we did with resentment. So I'm going to do the exact same thing with my fear as I do with my resentment. It says, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper even though we had no resentment in connection with them. So first column is, what am I afraid of? I underline, we asked ourselves why we had them. That's the second column. We asked ourselves why we had them. And then I underlined, wasn't it because... And I underlined in red, self-reliance failed us. Self-reliance was as good as 
as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. I wrote on the side and it's kind of long. Fear happens... Fear happens when one of my instincts are threatened. So one of my basic instincts are threatened, then I'm afraid. And I wrote also, and not God-reliant. So let's say... Um, my sexual and social instincts are threatened in security because I find out that my boyfriend is cheating on me. If I'm God-reliant and I trust that this is a gift from the universe and I get to see what this person's really like and I get to step back and ask myself, do I want to be in a relationship with someone who cheats on me? And then I get to go through a big renaissance and change and be in pain and let go and walk through all that. And I trust God, and I trust that God will give me what I need, and I trust that no matter how hard it is, I'm going to be okay, then I'm not afraid. But when I'm not relying on God, and I'm relying on self, and I'm trying to figure out how to fix it, and I'm trying to figure out what we need to do to be okay with each other, and how I'm going to make it okay, and what if I'm never going to be okay, and what if he cheats on me again, that's the reason I get afraid in that situation is because I'm only relying on self. So whenever I'm relying on self, and my self-reliance fails me, that's when I become afraid. So that means that the solution to my fears is to rely on God. It doesn't mean I don't get afraid. I'm afraid every single day. I have a tattoo on my left forearm, inner forearm, that says, God has you. And I always like to share this. I picture myself almost like like a little three or four-year-old on a balance beam and like, like a pastel like like pink leotard with like a tutu and ballet slippers and I'm going really slow and I'm kind of frozen and I feel a hand on my lower back and I hear a voice saying I've got you and I take one step and then I freeze and then I I look back and I'm afraid and then I hear that voice going I've got you and I take another step that's me all day long with God I forget all day long that God has me And even a tattoo on my arm cannot remind me because I I forget all day long, which is why I jokingly call myself Dory from Finding Nemo. If you ever haven't seen the movie, Dory forgets everything like within two seconds, three seconds. I'm like Dory. I forget all day long that God has me. I also forget, related to that, that there's never been a time in my entire sobriety where when I was doing the work and staying as close as I could to God that I didn't get what I needed. There's been plenty of times that I didn't get what I wanted, but there's never been a time I didn't get what I needed. So I really like this idea because it helps me look at it in a different way and helps me say, well, maybe if I would rely on God, I wouldn't be so afraid. We're going to read this next paragraph. I bracket it and it says, perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we are, I underline, now on a different basis. I kept underlining the basis of trusting and relying upon God. So that's my new solution is I need to trust God. And I need to rely on God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. This next part is beautiful and it will remind you of page 63, that partnership, that sacred partnership that I love. I underlined and highlighted and starred. Just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? And I want to go over this. I wrote partnership above just the extent. So here we are again, a partnership. And I underlined, I double underlined we do and I circle the word do. So it tells me 
I need to do what I think God wants me to, and I need to humbly rely on him, and then God is going to enable me to match calamity with serenity. So that promises me two things from God. There will be calamity, and God will give me serenity to to go through with it. And that is a promise. I wrote on the side, I face life instead of walking away from it. I face life instead of walking away from it. I'm going to read this last paragraph and then we'll stop. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that underlined faith means courage. And I circled and underlined all men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. And this last part I underlined and highlighted and starred, and it's our fear prayer. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once we commence to outgrow fear. And I wrote on the side, prayer. And I wrote, what does God want me to be? Question mark. What does God want me to be? I have two answers that always come very clear to me, and my answers are useful and kind. Sometimes my answers are, he wants me to show up and be a good mom, or be a good partner, or be the partner that I want to have. And so when I ask, what does God want me to be, I have a more clear pathway. Um, I wrote on the side, prayer followed by action. So I have to pray for the guidance of what God wants me to be, and then I need to act that out. We're going to stop here. Next week we will do sex inventory, and I appreciate your time. I hope you have an amazing week. It's all up to you.